0: effect of peace. Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. Some people have no peace within themselves. Their world would be a much brighter place if they could find a way to live in their own skin. But we know that reconciliation with God comes first. Then peace can flow out to ourselves, our family, church, and beyond. That kind of radiating peace might look different than we expect. Here's Jim to conclude his message. The people of God are peaceful and content. We're in Paul's letter to the Colossians.
1: When God sacrificed God on the cross, his intent was far greater than just Jim Custer, just you. It includes you The death of Jesus Christ is sufficient for God to be reconciled with you, to become at peace with you. But God's plan is much larger than that. The text tells us, by Jesus, God is pleased to reconcile all things to himself. And it goes on to break that down. Things on earth, things in heaven. What Jesus did at the cross, because of who he became in the manger, has given God a universal, eternal platform to reconcile men to himself. And the neat thing about this reconciliation is it's one-sided. You know, when Tricene and I have a spat. We're we're now we don't do that very often. You're looking at me like mm-hmm. Twice in our 40-some years of marriage when we've had (laughs) know, we, We go around for a little while huffed at each other. What are we waiting for? Well, we're waiting for each of us to come with our offering of peace. See, God doesn't do that. God comes with the whole offering. And he says, here, just accept my peace it's a reconciliation that's not based upon my participation i don't bring anything to the party i just come god brings everything that's necessary for me to be welcomed at the party everything interesting parable jesus told once he was building upon a custom in his day they had a wedding feast this this wealthy king son's going to be married and so the invitation goes out to people, and some of them snub the invitation, and so the invitation goes out again to the people in the highways and byways, and when they come in, you know what the you know what the guest first experienced? Shower, shave, new clothes. Yeah. Yeah. And when the king walked around, this wealthy man walked around and found somebody with his old stinking dirty clothes on, he had him tossed out. Remember that parable? What's the point? point is, in this reconciliation, in God making peace with man, God brings all the clothes. God brings all the forgiveness. God pays the whole price. We don't contribute anything to our salvation. We are receivers. We are not initiators. And it's the work of God from get-go. Now notice all things are involved in this. Well, how about those people who are not at peace with God? Well, they're on the outside And you and I know you and I know that this is not the last chapter as a matter of fact our hymn writer reminds us of that listen And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth. I said For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth goodwill to men then pealed the bells more loud and deep God is not dead Nor does he sleep The wrong shall fail The right prevail With peace on earth goodwill to men friend. That's what the prophet said Jesus is coming back and when he has finished the work that he initiated when he came into the world at bethlehem when he finishes all the work that he initiated in his death on the cross all nature will do what we sang in our opening hymn the curse will be broken the lion and the lamb will lie down together there will be peace men will beat their swords into plowshares the guy who sows the seed will be run over by the guy who's harvesting the crop. There'll be no famine. There'll be no social injustice. There'll be no inequities. And there will be peace on this earth. The righteousness of God will fill this earth as the waters cover the sea. Now, how's that going to take place? Good Jesus coming back. And those who refuse to accept his terms of peace, he's going to toss out. You're going to kill him boom oh that's not nice no but necessary you see there are some people that god can't give his peace to god can't hug some people they won't be hugged they won't accept god's terms of peace and perhaps that's you my friend perhaps you're one of those outside looking in. And the reason you're outside is not because God has excluded you, it's because you've excluded yourself. Now maybe you don't understand the gospel. Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard in your life that God has a marvelous, incredible, wonderful gift he desires and has died to give you. Peace with him. But God is not dead, nor does he sleep. And the peace that was made at the cross is described further in, uh, in this marvelous passage in chapter 2. And, and I'm not, I don't want to go there because we, we'd be here until 2 o'clock this afternoon talking about the incredible thing that God did in Jesus Christ on the cross. But if you want to study it, uh, go to chapter 2 and, and start reading there at verse 11 and especially notice the words, having forgiven, having wiped out the handwriting requirements that was against us, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. Study those phrases there in chapter 2. It was an incredible thing that God did. And not only involved humans, it involved angels, principalities and powers, the devil and demons. What God did at the cross scoped the whole problem. And when God's finished, There will be perfect peace, not only in individual hearts, but in the whole world. But it will be peace based upon power, not peace based upon the gospel. By that I mean, right shall prevail, wrong shall be destroyed. That's the promise of the prophets. And the angels saw that when they sang the song. Can we move to a third passage where this word peace is found in this epistle? And this this is kind of fun. Look at chapter 3 with me, please. And notice verse 15. Here the apostle Paul talks about this peace of God. Look what he says. He says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, plural, Now, he's not just talking about Jim Custer. He's not just talking about the elders. He's talking about the whole body of believers. All of these faithful brothers and sisters who have come to yield their hearts to God and to be reconciled with him based upon Jesus' death on the cross in our place. Okay? Now, these folks, God gives peace and then God says, now I want that peace to rule in your hearts, all of you together, not just individually, but together. It's a collective thing. And the word rule there, as you've already noted in your Bibles, is just the word umpire. Now, get, get the picture. God says, I want my peace to be the arbitrator of life in the local church. If it disturbs the peace of God, it's wrong. I could even say, if it disturbs your peace, the peace of God in your heart, I am wrong if I insist upon doing it. Did you know that? Oh, oh, you you mean, you mean, yeah, that's what I mean. God puts a supreme value on his peace. He paid a horrific price for it. And when he makes peace with individuals, he puts those individuals together into a family, and he says, now the rule, the rule of your community conduct is peace. You live out my peace in your relationships with each other. So Mr. Mr. Longfellow, if you want to see the peace of God that the angels sang about, come to Grace Brethren Church. Now, what should they expect to see? Well, look at look at how it's described. Look there at verse eleven. There is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. Christ is all in all. First thing a visitor should notice is that the peace of God transcends ethnic and educational status barriers did you hear me the color of your skin doesn't matter when you walk through that door now it may matter in other places but in the body of saints the color of your skin the degree of your education and your social status out there is not important Here, slave and master sit side by side. One of the great, 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 great demonstrations of the utter ineptness of the church in the Civil War was the way slavery carried over to Sunday morning. Terrible. Terrible. An absolute atrocity. God was embarrassed. Uh, Just like in the North in the north where the people that owned the factories worshipped differently than the people who worked in the factories same problem God's peace is to prevail over social educational linguistic and cultural differences and our neighbors should sense that that this body function out of the peace of God notice also that because the peace of God is here there is to be this this incredible joy in our midst you can see it there in verse 16 let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord see that God's peace will result in our inner singing I took one of my grandchildren over to the barn close to our house where they have riding horses and there's a new little black kitten there marvelous little creature and uh, Teaching my grandchildren to not try to pick it up at the tail, you know, and to not grab it by the ears That's that's a part of that's what I had to be taught too. but When you finally get them to understand that if you just stand still and if you just pet the animal what does the animal do? purrs that's right and I get my granddaughter grandson let's listen, listen to that little animal it's just purring why Because the animal's at peace and when you're at peace and when we're at peace you're gonna purr the inner sense of contentment and joy the inner sense of peace and well-being the inner sense of confidence and direction it's just gonna Produce music inside your heart it has nothing to do with the scale. You you may not know a C from a Q Doesn't matter you may not know a sharp from a flat doesn't matter There's going to be within you this wellspring of music this this irrepressible Worship of God and celebration of God with songs and hymns and songs that according to this teach and admonish that express wisdom and worship That's how the peace of God is seen. So next Sunday when you come and Randy says, sing please, open your mouth and sing. Open your mouth and sing. Why? Because many shall see it. See it. See you singing. See the melody in your heart. And that's going to cause them to consider the God who put that melody inside so when everybody else is singing you're standing there if if you want to do that go out and have another cup of coffee while we sing so that people who are here wondering about our God will get the correct impression that we are full of peace and that peace causes us to sing there's a third thing here it says also we're to be giving thanks. See verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. We should be a grateful people, not miserly, not attached to material things, but rather thanksgiving. And the operative word there is giving. Out of thanks and gratitude, the peace of God generates within us a gratitude and a confidence that our Heavenly Father owns it all, and therefore I can be lavish with His resources that He's entrusted to my care. I, I, can, I can risk being a giver. I don't have to be a hoarder. I can risk being a giver. Time, energy, encouragement, words of grace, all of those things flow out of that. But then note beginning at verse 18 how the peace of God Manifests itself in domestic relationships you want to see the peace of god here it is why submitting yourself to your own husbands as is fitting to the lord oh ladies that's a wonderful promise that's an incredible promise that means you look beyond your husband he may not deserve your grace and kindness your forgiveness he may not deserve your support that's not the issue peace of God calls you to live in peace under the leadership of the husband God has given you, as fitting the Lord, as appropriate to the Lord. The nuance there is that Triceneme respects me as if she were living with Jesus. That's the point. Julie respects Steve as if Steve were Jesus. Is Steve Jesus? Is Jim Jesus altogether? I'm shocked, Steve. They were thinking more of me. I thought we had him fooled. So if your husband is not the peon of perfection that you thought he was when he wooed you and won your heart, that's not the issue. And notice, the purpose of your marriage is to give glory to God. That's the purpose. That's what you're doing in your relationship. So in the Christian home, as you watch the wife interact with her husband, you're going to see the peace of God. And as you watch the husband react with his wife, he's going to love his wife and not be bitter toward them. Guys, there's a challenge for you. You'll never understand her. Never. Never. That's not your job. Your job is to love her and not be bitter. That means you ought to expect that she's going to see things differently, do things differently, have a different opinion. After all, she's just like you. One of you, necessary, you know? And God deliberately made her different, and, and we are to dwell with them with love, with respect, with deference. I tell you how you show your wife how to be subject to you. You want your wife to know how to be submissive to you? Show her by how you're submissive to Jesus. And that's what the Bible teaches. Got real quiet, Steve. <laughs> the point is, if Mr. Longfellow wants to see the peace that the angels sang about, he needs, to, he needs to visit a home where the wife and the dad, the husband, are sincerely seeking to please God in their relationship and not please themselves. And how do you do that? You submit to each other. You love you bless, you encourage, you strengthen, you are faithful, you stand with your man, you stand with your mate. And the peace of God is evident at home. There's order. It's not haphazard. It's not erratic. There's order. Someone is in charge, and he's accountable to God. And he knows. She respects what God has given her in her husband and she treats her husband knowing that her responses are to please god what's fitting to the lord and that's not all hey listen if you have children verse 21 the peace of god will monitor your discipline husbands fathers do not provoke your children to wrath so forth see that oh and in the workplace it talks to her about slaves now that word in verse 22 that word bond service is the word slave Now, we are very, 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 very anti-slavery in our our society, and we've paid a tremendous price to to come to that conclusion. I want you to know that slavery is alive and well in the world. And it's ugly, and it's nasty, and you're not going to cure it. Until the Lord Jesus Christ comes, you're not going to cure it. Paul doesn't attempt to cure the problem of slavery. What Paul shows is that when God reconciles, a slave, he reconciles his heart and exalts him and gives him a whole new basis for being a good slave. The slave has dignity and worth, and everything that the slave does, he does as to the Lord, not to his master. And what if the masters mean? Well, God will take care of that. That's what the pastor says. And when the peace of God comes into the reconciled heart of a master, a boss, someone that's responsible for others, whether a slave owner or someone else, it changes their whole perspective. Now they're dealing with that person who works for them as one who works with them, and they know that how they treat that person is how the Heavenly Father is going to treat them. Got it? Okay, the point in all of this is, Now, while the cynic and skeptic may say there is no peace on earth, they're wrong, and they're wrong because they're looking in all the wrong places. Peace is the marvelous contentment, the inner disposition of restful trust in the heart of someone who has come to God based upon the work of Jesus Christ at the cross. And there they have been reconciled to God. God gives them peace. And then God furbishes that peace. And then God says, let that peace that I'm giving to you be the umpire by which you run all your other life decisions. Your relationships with other people and the body of Christ, Your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your husband, your relationship with your children, your relationship with your boss, your relationship with your secretary, all of those things, in all those relationships, the world should see the peace of God. God is not dead, nor does He sleep. And the people of God are a people of peace.
0: If we're contented, we will purr. We'll sing out our harmony with our Maker and His family. Psalm 40, verse 3 reads, He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. We've been reading the mail of the Colossians, learning about the distinguishing marks of believers as a group. Jim's message Tuesday and today has been, The people of God are peaceful and content. We offer the entire message on CD for your gift of $7 or more. The series is simply called The People of God, and we'd be happy to send you all 17 talks in a CD album for your donation of $59 or more. Let me mention here that your prayers and financial support are vital to the ongoing work of Right Start. And that's a good word, vital. It's about life. It's something necessary to our continuing existence and operation. Please prayerfully consider a gift just now thanks. Here's how to get a hold of us. Mail Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085 USA. Call 1-800-984-2313. That's 800-984-2313. And find us online at rightstartradio.org. You can subscribe to our podcast. There's a new release every weekday on the iTunes platform. Or right there on our site, you can re-listen to past radio programs or even play or download complete sermons by Pastor Jim. You can click to donate, too, and more at rightstartradio.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. What else can we say about the people of God? Well, the people of God are contemporary. What? Jim will explain tomorrow on the next Right Start.